This is Daryl Hawk, and you're listening to Outside the Stalls. Could it be you have seen from east to west, from coast to coast, you got nothing left to see but ghosts in? Set your feet to a different route and come on, on today's episode of Outside the Stalls, we have two-time Major League Baseball All-Star Shay Hillenbrand. On this episode, Shea will discuss his journey of becoming a Major League Baseball player, his struggle with identity following his career, and rewriting his story, and how that can release you to overcome feeling stuck and reignite your passion about your life. This is Daryl Hawk, and this is Outside the Stalls. This is episode two, and the thing that I want to remind you every time we meet together is that no matter where you're at or what you're going through, that someone is there for you. So if you're, if you're hurting or you're in a place where you need help, reach out because there's people all around you who care about you, who love you, and who will walk you through anything that you're going through. And the second thing I want to remind you is that there's a God who loves you, and no matter what you face, he is walking with you and beside you. Today, I want to welcome my friend Shay Hillenbrand into the building. How are you doing today, Shay? I'm doing awesome. Thank you so much for having me on, buddy. I appreciate it. And so what most people know Shay for is his career in Major League Baseball. But I've come to know Shay as a man that has many talents, um, among them real estate, uh, entrepreneurship, um, speaking, speaking his life into people. I know you've owned some foundations and things of that nature. Who is... Shay Hillenbrand, above all. Well, that's a good question. I really haven't had that question asked to me, asked uh, to me before. Uh, but man, passionate, passionate, loving, caring, hundred uh, percent different person than I was when I played Major League Baseball. Still had the talents, the gifts, uh, the skill sets, all that stuff. But I was able when I left baseball. I went through trials and tribulations, and Crazy, crazy road I took. Uh, by the grace of God, I'm sitting here today. Uh, so grateful for the opportunity. But uh, finding my true identity has been the biggest gift I've ever given myself. And because once I've done that, I've been able to uh, been able to release and been able to discover gifts and talents that I didn't know I had. So um, I have five kids. Uh, I have three adopted children myself. My wife has two daughters. We have three girls that are in competitive cheerleading. So uh, tonight we'll yeah. be doing cheer tryouts. Uh, passionate about real estate, uh, buying, selling, and then uh, putting together a, a real estate fund uh, for Major League Baseball players to invest and uh, you know multiply the wealth that they have. And then uh, I love speaking. I love coaching, and I love speaking life into people, like you said. So uh, that's that's me in a nutshell. That's awesome, man. And uh, I, we're in that competitive cheer world too. Uh, it's getting a little bit more crazy. She tried out for the elite squad this this week, so she's been in what's called competitive prep. So it's it's not quite as competitive, but still. But now she's going full force in, and I'm scared and excited. I don't know about you, but the competitive part of me actually does love competitive cheer because I like. Oh man, they got that team. That girl just fell. We're you know we're we're good to go. I don't know about you, but I, I get I get pumped up for my daughter's team. Yeah, that's good. I'm, I'm glad you're selling those houses now in real estate because it gets expensive, man. It's crazy <laughs> how much it costs. But uh, my wife and I don't look at it that way. We love it. Uh, we love what the sport provides the girls. Uh, it's awesome. We get excited. Uh, I put things in perspective. Uh, uh, we're just doing it to give give the girls an opportunity to grow and nourish what they have. 
That's awesome. Yeah, de- definitely the same for us. We want to find what they're passionate about and to, to support them in that 100%. So let's go back to baseball. I don't want to spend all the time there, but what drew you into baseball initially and what, what were the things that you loved about the game? What drew me into baseball initially is I just, I just loved baseball. Ever since five years old, six years old, seven years old, I had a baseball in one hand and a glove in the other hand, pursuing my dream of becoming a major league baseball player. I grew up in Southern California and I was a diehard Dodger fan. So the consistency of that is you show up in the third inning, you leave in the seventh inning to beat traffic and you listen to Vince Scully on the radio. So that's, that's baseball in LA at that time in the eighties. But uh, I'd sit at the top deck of the stadium and I'd have my nachos in one hand, my chocolate malt in the other hand. And I'd always envision, make my dream become tangible. I'd always engage my senses. I'd hear the crack of the bat. I'd, uh, I'd smell the grass. I'd always imagine an announcer announcing my name, now batting, number 29, Shay Hillenbrand. I think it is, I could never sit still when I was a kid. I was always outside throwing a ball against the ball or hitting a ball off of a tee or climbing a tree or whatever. I didn't even listen to the music till I was 14 years old. The first band I ever listened to, my favorite band was Millie Vanilli at 14. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, uh, uh, and they, they didn't even sing their own songs. So no. uh, I was always eating supper real quick and I was going outside and just mastering that craft and pursuing my dream of becoming a major league baseball player. That's awesome. And so when that, when that dream was done, I've heard you talk a little bit about this, when that dream was done, what was that process like? And, and how were you able to kind of come out of that where you had spent your whole life running towards one direction and then all of a sudden your life takes a different turn? So what happens is, uh, it's, it's kind of crazy. A lot of people don't realize what it's like to, to be a professional athlete or, or what it, what it is on that side, because it's a fantasy world for most people. But Right after you get drafted uh, to play baseball in the minor leagues, uh, the pressure becomes so great that you, you disconnect from your soul. And, and you, you disconnect from yourself because you're just in the, in the sea of people trying to achieve that one dream of playing major league baseball that so many people don't get that opportunity to do it. I think of all time in over 100 years, there's only been 20,000 people that have played major league baseball. So uh, one's, one's soul, my soul, got disconnected. Uh, right away and you attach that identity of baseball uh, to your, your identity to baseball so it's it's kind of crazy it's it's disheartening and it just becomes everything of who you are I, I left in the prime of my career because I attached the pain that I was experiencing of disconnection and everything I was going through from the story I told myself at a very young age uh, that uh, I attached that pain to the game so I left premeditated I left $50 million of potential earnings on the table to pursue my second dream, and that was to own a zoo. Like, who does that? What major league <laughs> baseball player leaves baseball and buys a zoo? This guy I think right you're here. the only one I know. <laughs> right here, I, had, I, I accumulated 300 farm and exotic animals. Uh, we rescued them, and we pair them up with kids in the community. Uh, but so I, I basically was just running from that pain. I was trying to run from the identity of, of what I was as an athlete. And when you get that identity stripped from you, that's all you know. I mean, most careers, a lot of people don't grow as they're five, six, seven years old and say, I'm going to be a successful lawyer when I grow up, or I'm going to be a doctor, or I'm going to be a successful entrepreneur, or a rock star real estate and tax, or a real estate agent and tax, right? Most people don't do that. They do that later on as they nourish and yeah. grow into who they truly are. But as a professional athlete, you've been doing it since day one. And once you get that identity stripped from you, it's, it's scary. And your mind gets twisted. And when your mind gets twisted, you live in the past. 
So that's, yeah. I mean, today, I, I, my last year was 2007, 13 years ago, and I still have dreams till today on a continual basis every week about playing baseball. So wow. it haunts you, and it's very difficult. And how have you seen that uh, with other guys? I mean, the struggles they've been through. I mean, I know you can relate in a way no one else can, but how have you seen that affect other players, not just outside of yourself? It's a high percentage of players. Um, there's not a, a stat at it, uh, but I had a gentleman reach out, a young, young guy reach out to me last night uh, saying that he's lost and he's struggling. He doesn't know what to do. He has a wife and two young kids. His last year was 2018, uh, you know, a year ago, and he still doesn't know what to do. I was like, come on over here. I'll help you out, man. So yeah. um, what I've done is I've created a, a five-tool player profile system to help a player uh, get right internally and to get connected with their true identity of who they are. Because when you get, like I said, when you get connected with your true identity of who you are, what happens is you discover and uncover the gifts that have been given to you, that have been kind of, you know, God gave you, uh, the yeah. creator. And then from that, you can utilize those gifts to solve other people's problems. And that's what we're trying to do right there. Uh, I never thought I'd be doing this. I always thought I'd be playing baseball. Uh, I made a lot of money playing baseball, but I lost it all. Uh, went through all the trials, tribulations. I found myself clinging on to my last breath uh, after overdosing on drugs and alcohol on the floor of a van. Uh, that was about six years ago. And by the grace of God, after that, God brought my wife into my life. And it, like you said at the beginning, I love what you said. Uh, it took someone else to help me go through the process of creating a new identity. And, and, and that, that person with me was there to support me and love me, my wife, and, and, and help me out, hold me accountable. The one, that, one person tell me, you know, dude, you're not a major league baseball player anymore. Don't you know yeah. who I am? I had a game-winning home run <laughs> at Mariana Rivera. I was in you know, all-star games, you know. Yeah. I, I, I did it all. She's like, I don't care. I love yeah. you for you. And that accountability was great. It was hard. But uh, having that one person, she's the first person in my life that's, that's loved me unconditionally and said she believed in me. And think about that. After after and, all the yeah. success I've had, the only person. And uh, that she was definitely brought into my life by God and super stoked about that. And with this new identity, what I'm doing is, is just trying to help people out. What better time to do that than right now? Exactly. And so that leads into my next question. What are you most excited about in your life right now? You know, you talked about your new identity, the way you're trying to help people. What is the thing that's giving you the most excitement right now that you're doing? I love creating videos. I love mentoring. I love, I love teaching. I love trying to add value to other people. I love uh, seeing somebody who's lost or stuck or struggling and saying that I, I see them in a different eye. I see, I see things that they could do. Uh, the way I get my competitive niche filled now because being a professional athlete, super ultra, ultra competitive. I, I can't get that through sports with my kids. Uh, they, they don't relate. I'm like, dude, why aren't you working? Why aren't you out there doing it? Like, Dad, what are you talking about? And my mom would always have to uh, remind me, Shay, you're not normal. Uh, she would just work <laughs> when everybody else is sleeping. But well, the way I get my competitive niche filled now is by trying to extract the good of the people that I work with. Uh, starting with my team. of, uh, I have a team of people uh, that we're doing that with. And uh, from there, just – I love just trying to, to make that difference. Awesome. And what would you say to, you know, a former player who is, who is in that moment still right now, struggling right now, trying to figure out who they are outside of the game? I mean, what advice would you give them so that they don't have to walk through some of the troubles you had to, to get to this journey now where you're discovering that true identity as you talked about? Yeah, that's a good question. And, and, and for me right now, uh, like I sat down at the beginning of COVID 
And I said, this is a perfect time for us to, to put a, a, a five to a system together to help people. And I created this system to focus on major league baseball players, uh, professional baseball players. And on that, it translates to real life stuff, real world people. So there's so many people right now that have lost jobs, that have lost their identities in their 40s or 50s, and they're having success, making $100,000, $200,000, having, you know, and that, that's gone. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's baseball. I can relate. Mm -hmm. I can help them too. But yeah. uh, the biggest thing is, is like, you lose your identity through who you do, through what you do. It is so easy for a professional athlete to do that. You have to understand that we're a person that plays a sport. And it sounds so cliche, and it sounds uh, so many people say it, but I get it, and I understand it from the inside part of being a player. That understanding, like who you are, what what led you to where you are now. Like like I, I have a, a four step system to help people discover their story. And, and the, the, your story is so powerful. Everything that's wrapped up, your identity is wrapped up into the story that you tell yourself, right? And most times, uh, incidents has happened before you're seven years old. See, the, the prefrontal cortex, the, 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 the reasoning, rational part, processing part of your brain hasn't fully developed it. And there's so many times that I had incidences or, or experiences with my father uh, before seven years old that when my, I had the interaction with my father, the way I interpreted that experience and communicated that experience to myself defined my belief system. I was never good enough. I was never uh, lovable. Uh, my, my dad never loved me. That's the stories that I told myself through the experiences. So there's a way that, that our brains work and how we process and how we create our belief system and our subconscious mind, how that works uh, as to our, our conscious mind and your self-confidence, all that stuff. It, it's all wrapped up in your story. So what we're trying to do is help people rewrite their story. Simply, that's what it is, is rewrite your story. The story that you're telling yourself isn't yeah. the real story. And your identity is wrapped up in your real story, and it's being jammed by that story that you're telling yourself every single day. And I lived it. I lived it for so many years, and I could never find fulfillment. I tried to find it through going to church. I thought trying to speak on stages, schools, prisons, churches, like all over. And... It didn't work because how I communicated myself and how that ingrained and, and formed my belief system. So I had to like recreate my whole belief system. That's not, that's not easy to do. Super yeah. difficult to do. And so how, how would you do that with someone else? How would you help them to overcome some of those roadblocks, some of those things that maybe had got them stuck in their story if you're coaching them? Because we, we see that all the time, right? Someone who got stuck at some point in their story and they just stopped. They got off the track. They never got back up. They never started walking. They never started, kept chasing their dreams. They just stopped. How do you, how do you help someone who's stuck to get out of that? The biggest thing is that, uh, for example, I got a guy on my team that he has a business. Uh, he's making almost a half a million dollars a year. Uh, he does all of our apparel stuff uh, with our, company, our, our apparel company. And he's like, I want to go to a million dollars. I, I want to make a million dollars this year. Like, I want to go to that next level. I'm stuck can't figure it out. I don't know what to do. And I said, bro, it's in your story. So I had to create rapport with him uh, because so many times, especially men will not go to places that they need to go to unlock that roadblock. They need yeah. someone to by their side to hold their hand and walk them through that process and know that you're there for them because it's hard. It's emotional. So what happened is the reason why my, my, one of my business partners uh, stuck with his business right now is because when he was 
a young kid, eight years old, nine years old, he would wait on the curb at his dad's house for his mom to come pick him up. His mom was, uh, was, was experienced with drugs, stuff like that. I'm trying to be very sensitive to them uh, in the situation, uh, but she never came to pick him up. So he was so excited to see his mom. And here's a guy that I got the goosebumps. Here's a guy that's 42 years old and he's stuck in his business. And, and, and the reason why he was stuck is because the story he told himself at nine years old when he was on the curb and his mom didn't come pick him up. And he says, I hated her. I despise her. So today I despise her. Like this is like uh, six months ago. And I was like, mm -hmm. why do you think your mom didn't come pick you up? She, she didn't want to come pick because she was embarrassed for him to see her in that situation because she was on drugs. And the reason why she was on drugs is because of the story that she went through. And just the simple incidents of him understanding that situation, not condoning it, not accepting it, not saying it's like it's acceptable for her to treat her, treat her for her to treat him that way, but for him just to understand that situation, you'll have an instant breakthrough right there. See, wow. breakthroughs happen in a moment in time with an understanding of, of, of where you are and what led you to where you are. So there's so many defining moments in people's lives to where just that understanding, like for myself, I was 14 years old and I was sitting on my bed and my dad walked into my room and he said, son, I got to talk to you. And then for myself, he said, I'm going to move our family from Southern California, beautiful Southern California to the hot desert of Arizona. This is my, the summer right before my sophomore year of high school, such a pivotal time of my, my life as a, yeah. as a teenager going into high school, I was going to be the number one baseball player. Everything's rocking and rolling. But all of a sudden my dad's going to uproot our family and move us to Arizona. And when he left the room, the story I told myself was, I'm not lovable, I'm not good enough, my dad doesn't love me. Why? Mm -hmm. Why would he do this? Why would he uproot yeah. me from all my friends and my community? And that story defined myself. So what did I do? I, de I decided to become an overachiever through athletics to prove my worthiness for my father. So my why for playing Major League Baseball was so unhealthy. It was so, like, bad that once I got there and did it, it, it was never good enough. But what happened is that story I told myself was 100% incorrect. What happened was my dad uprooted our family to give me a chance to play baseball. But my relationship with my father was not very well because he didn't know how to communicate because it was a generational curse, what he dealt with with his father and so on and so forth. To where I never knew that. I never knew that the reason why I moved to Arizona is because they wanted to give me the best chance to play me. The whole family sacrificed. So that's just wow. a small example right there. To where, yeah. If we understand the story and what led us to where we went, like I said at the beginning, like when guys get drafted with major league to play professional baseball, what they do, they disconnect from their soul. They disconnect from everything. Like, and they're just trying to play major league baseball. If we understand that that part of your story, well, I'm doing this, and it leads to so much cheating on, on their spouses. It leads to uh, drugs. It leads to alcohol. It leads to gambling. It leads to so many like external fixes that are so toxic to try to fill that void of that emptiness inside because we disconnect. So we got to get dudes, we got to get guys, people reconnected with who they are and understand that uh, the reason why they disconnected is because of characteristic flaws as well that they created. Like I got into a fight with the general manager for the Red Sox. I got into a fight with the manager for the Blue Jays. I mean, just Google me story yeah. after story of things that I did. So I, what I try to do is I try to disconnect from Shea Hillenburg. And it just, I didn't work. Like I just became so empty and so lost and so gone. But what I needed to do is understand why I was doing those things that I was doing and re refine the characteristic flaws. See, I needed to work on the character, not the, not the person. 
And that's what we got to do with professional athletes. We got to work in the character, but we got to understand what led that athlete to the characteristic flaws that they're having and that identity, identity disconnection that they experience. So and you talk, I, I was going to say, you talked a little bit earlier about, about your faith in God and things of that nature. How did that help you change as well? You, I know your wife was a huge portion, but I know too, your faith in God was something that was kind of resurrected in you too, as you made this change. How, how has that played into your life re- more recently? It's, it's huge. I mean, it's, 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 crazy how big how important that is you got your spirit you have your mind and you have your, you have your body you, you have to in order to live the fullest version of yourself you have to have all three of those in check i always had my mind straight and i always had my body straight to become a successful professional athlete but that's obtainable but nothing is sustainable without filling your spirit and it, it's it's the most important thing out there i recently started meditating uh, a lot to, to, to you get connected and, and drown out all of the all the craziness and the buzz, and, and that's helped tremendously as well. But uh, nothing's nothing nothing will work in my life if I don't get myself right standing with God first. Awesome. And who other besides your wife have been people that have kind of walked with you through this thing? I always like to give shout outs to people that have made a difference in my life. Who are the people that are walking with you, knowing that a lot of guys we tend to isolate ourselves. And we tend to put ourselves off in a kind of corner by ourselves. We don't share our stuff with anybody else. And we all, and I know you know this because I know you have a guy like this in your life, but we need that guy or a couple guys in our life where we can just share our hearts with and be real with. Who has that been for you? The one person that's been there through the whole thing, and it's pretty cool because uh, I wrote a story. Uh, I wrote it out, a story that I'm going to share, uh, writing a bunch of content. And, and that's John Barnes, our mutual friend. Uh, we got drafted together with the Red Sox in 1996. And we couldn't be polar opposites. Like he grew up in a Christian household and I grew up in a household that the only time Jesus Christ was mentioned was in a negative connotation. And it was, it was, it was, it was no good at all. I, I, I always believed, but I never knew how to have a relationship because I couldn't even have a relationship with my worldly father, my, bi- my biological father. How could I have a relationship with our heavenly father when he can't see? So that was, that was very difficult to, uh, ascertain that, especially when you become an athlete. I always thought I had to do everything myself. But uh, the one person through everything was was John Barnes, uh, my best friend, my brother in Christ. He's actually, I gave my life to Christ in his car in my 1998 AA in the backwoods of, of New Britain, Connecticut, <laughs> playing baseball. So great story with him. Other than that, nobody else. My parents were there the whole time. Uh, I wouldn't allow my parents to be a part of it because of the story I told myself. I didn't figure out my story until 41 years old after everything. And that's sad because I cut my parents out of my whole career. I mean, I was in the all-star game in 2002 uh, in Milwaukee and I had my entourage there and I had my whole, all my friends there, everybody, my in-laws, everything. And I didn't invite my parents. My parents sat at the third deck of the stadium and they, they were telling the, the, the security guards, the fans around them, hey, that's my son down there playing third base, starting in the all-star game. And they're all looking at him like, well, why are you up here then? And I'm on the field on TV in front of millions of people. And I look up and I'm like, I can't stand that guy. I despise him. Like mm-hmm. it's that resentment I had because the story I created was so terrible that I didn't have anybody else. So uh, John Barnes is the one person that was always there for me. He'd check in on me periodically. Uh, he'd be there for me. Uh, but I had to go through it myself because I wouldn't let anybody help me. Yeah. And that's, that's what I find with a lot of guys is we try to do it ourselves and what happens, right? We fall flat on our face at some point because we're meant to do life in community. 
and you realize that with your wife, you realize that with John and, uh, and I, and I see you living that now. It's just, it's cool to see how that can help give us strength and in, in, in our lives by just having those right people in our corner. Absolutely. And I didn't even really realize that's what, well, that's the last step of our, our player profile system for these athletes. It's like, you have to have a team. You have to have a, a team alignment around you off of the field. Uh, yeah. That's not as line. See, we're, we're raised in a, in a team environment, but I never even, I didn't even care about the team. I didn't care about the coaches. I didn't care about the trainer. No one. I never utilized anybody. I isolated myself because I had so much pain and so much like craziness inside me that drove me to that success that I didn't even utilize the team. I didn't even, I didn't even care about the clubhouse. I didn't even care. I, didn't, I don't miss the players one bit. I know that's the major thing that most guys miss the lottery. And the, mm-hmm. I was like, dude, I have to perform tonight. And if I don't perform tonight, I'm not going to have my job. And if I don't have my job tonight, then I'm not going to have my, well, my identity. I'm going to lose the game. I'm going to lose everything. So like, and that's how a lot of players are. So having a team around you is the most important thing. I wouldn't be here right now. And that's the greatest thing I'm super excited about is my team. And, and I find great joy in trying to bring the best out of my team and utilize their talent so we can collaborate our patient to go out there and, and help people find their voice. Awesome. And, you know, this is asking you to be vulnerable. You don't have to be if you don't want to be. But what's probably the next growth step that you need to take, knowing that all of us have that next step? I mean, I think it helps people to know that, man, Shea Hillenbrand hasn't arrived or Daryl Hawk hasn't arrived. You know, we're always trying to work and better ourselves and grow. So what's that next step for you, do you feel like? Continuing to rewrite my story. If I'm the same person today that I was a year ago, I'm doing myself a disservice. Because I, you got to grow. You need the progression. Key to happiness is progression. Uh, a man without a vision will perish. Like if I'm the same person today, then they're doing the world a disservice. So I'm continually trying to rewrite my story. And the biggest thing I challenge is fear. Fear of of what if people say this? Fear of okay, uh, I I'm not well versed on real estate, but I have a passion and I really want to help people of the fear of going outside my comfort zone is crazy because I can hit in front of 45,000 people <laughs> in Yankee stadium and there's no problem, but going into new endeavors, this is where you really find out who you are. And I, I'm the total opposite of who I thought I was. Like I, 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 I get embarrassed easy. I'm, I'm kind of introverted, believe it or not. And yeah. I have a lot of struggles and challenges, but the thing that I've, that led me to the top before is just, Never give it up. It's just the resi- being resilient and going out there and, and, and just going out there and allow myself to make mistakes. See, it's crazy because when you're a professional athlete and you enter into the real world, like you're perceived, you perceive yourself as like a perfect person. You perceive, perceive yourself like a god. And going into uh, new endeavors as an entrepreneur, as a real estate agent, as a business coach, as, as, as someone who speaks, as a motivator, like I don't want to show my weaknesses. So what I say is like, I just want to prepare, prepare, prepare. Just got to go. Got to, got to take action. And I got to allow myself to fail. And understand that it doesn't matter what people think. You got to go out there. And if you have the right intentions, everything's going to work out. Very true, man. And uh, what would you say to, you know, knowing there's a lot of young kids out there and even teenagers right now who are in that kind of mode that you were in, like it's baseball or fail or football or fail or basketball or, or fail, like, how would you how would you kind of encourage them to, to do things the right way so they don't go through that disconnect that you talked about going through the sport? Because I know you probably saw guys who did it well. What did those guys do that other guys couldn't that you could <laughs> give to athletes? 
because they're very few and far in between. Far between. <laughs> the first person that comes to my mind is uh, Tony Clark, head of the players union now. Like he was an amazing guy. I always found myself gravitating over to his locker just to be in his presence. Very devout Christian, right standing guy, very successful. Um, and good player too. Awesome, yeah. And he was, uh, I love when he played first base because he had like a 10 and a half foot wingspan. Like, <laughs> He's huge, yeah. He, he told me if you throw the ball over my head, you suck. You know, and I can that. <laughs> so don't throw the ball like over it. my head. But uh, it's, it's, it's uh, I sound like beating a dead horse. It's your identity. It's who you are. It's understanding what makes you tick, what, 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 what holds you back, uh, being vulnerable enough and understanding like how things work and, and go out there. You've got to pursue something you love to do. And if you don't love doing it, you're not going to want to put the work in. You have to work. There's so many young kids now that don't work. They want instant success. They want instant gratification. And that's mostly because of technology. It's mostly because the environments that they're raised in, right? So most it's like parents our age that, that just give all this technology to the kids and go out there and let, let that raise them. So now they're getting addicted to that. And they have no self-confidence. They have no self-awareness of who they are and what they want to do. So they're just rolling around. And a, and a bunch of nothingness. And I did that for six years. I sat parked for six years. I didn't want no one to help me. I was done. I didn't want to go on anymore. I lived all my dreams. I did everything. I was like, what's the purpose of life? You have to figure out who you are and stay connected with who you are and continue to grow. Progression is the key to happiness. I'm telling you. Awesome. And so let's say there's someone out there, they're looking for someone to, to help them in their business because they're stuck. Or maybe there's a former player who happens to listen to this. And I want to have a lot of those guys on my social media. How would they how would they reach out to you to get help? Or how would they how would they sign up for your program, your five tool program? What what would that look like? It's a, just DM me. You could DM me. I'm on social media. Uh, Shay Hillenbrand with uh, Facebook at Shay underscore Hillenbrand with uh, Instagram. Uh, you can find everybody everywhere right now, right? So, yeah. uh, and, and I have a website called shayhillenbrand.tv. Uh, we're, we're building that out right now, but uh, all the resources are out there. It's just a matter of going out there and doing it, and going out there and figuring it out. But the biggest thing is, like, I can't, I can't stress enough, is, is understanding like, like, what you want to do and why you want to do that, because that's that's the biggest part of figuring things out. Like, I've, I've lived both my dreams: playing major league baseball and owning a zoo, and it's just like not many people get to do that so yeah it just my passion now is just helping just want to help so so what's next for you what's your next project what can people be looking forward to in, without any spoilers or things you don't want to share right now what's something they can look forward to coming from shay hillenbrand in the future no it's cool uh the way you do the way you create wealth is through real estate like you can make nfl money and not have to have 20 years experience in real estate. You know that. You're experiencing yes. that right now. You're doing a great job. And I want to talk to you, Thank you about that as well. But but that's the thing is, is like, I have a passion and I have a vision of, and there's a guy that lives across the street from me, the neighborhood across the street that reached out to me last night that's a former player uh, that, that's needing some help. And I have a vision of taking these guys that are recently out of the game and, and, and walking through the process, about figuring out their story, figuring out their identity, getting them straight from the inside, and then providing them an opportunity to come work for me in real estate. Uh, it's my third year of real estate. Uh, in July, I'm going to get my broker's license, and I would love to be able to employ five, six, seven baseball players that are stuck, that are struggling just out of the game, because there's no better 
real estate agent out there than a baseball player because we know how to navigate failure. We know how to perform under pressure. We know how to pivot. We know how to go out there and grind it. All the intangibles you need to have success. And I have a vision of taking these guys that are lost and then giving them the opportunity to come teach them real estate. And then with that, making them financially free and having them understand what life is without baseball. So I'm working on that as well as just, just trying to help people through uh, the coaching and the mentoring and the speaking engagements. That's awesome. Cause you know, that's been a heart of mine too, is in meeting with a lot of former players, kind of seeing their struggle with identity, seeing their struggle with what's next, especially career wise that I've always had that passion too, to like, how do we, how do we help them navigate and find that next thing? And so it's, it's exciting for me to hear the things that you're trying to do because you have such a better platform with those guys, with them knowing that you walk through the same things that they did every day. So that's exciting yeah. for me to hear what you're doing. Yeah. Thank you. And, and the thing is, is like, we, John Barnes and I just got off the phone with a gentleman from the major league baseball players alumni association. We had a conference call trying to offer like uh, what we want to do and what we have a vision of how we can assist these guys. And they're all about, you know, a lot of people are all about trying to find jobs. A lot of people are all, all about trying to find a transition, trying to hook them up with a resume, trying to hook them up with, because we can't even, I didn't even know how to write a resume. I couldn't even write an email when I married my wife. Like, it's crazy. But the thing is, is like, it's kind of like putting the cart in front of the horse. Like, we got to get these dudes straight first. We got to yeah. get guys understanding like their identity first, because you can give them all these resources, but they're not going to be able to utilize those resources because they can't even figure out how to connect with their soul. And they can't even figure out how to take care of their wife and their kids. It's pretty, it's a big problem. And uh, I want to be that voice of reasoning uh, for these guys. And they go out there and just, come on, guys, let's go. We'll help you out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's one thing to say you want to help. It's another thing to walk with somebody, right? It's a big, you know, you know that as being a pastor, right? So yeah, it's, it's huge. Well, Shay, man, I want to appreciate, just say I appreciate you for your heart. I appreciate you being willing to get on here and to talk about what you're doing right now and you know, I know there's probably lots of your fans out there that, you know, would love to hear at least one baseball story. So what was kind of your moment that you'll look back on even now and think that was that was pretty cool. That was a that was a cool moment. Uh, it's funny because I, I just toggle between two right now, uh, hitting in front of Barry Bonds and then hitting a game winning home run off Minor Rivera at Fenway Park as a Red Sox player. So <laughs> it's kind of weird because I, I, when, yeah. when I was getting ready to go hit – uh, it's the eighth inning. We're down by one run. Uh, Manny Ramirez is on second base. And there's, I think, two outs. And when I was getting ready, it was like one of the only times in my baseball career, I had over 3,000 plate appearances, that I'm like, oh, my gosh, what am I about to do has already been done. It's like it's been finished. Like, I feel it. Like, I don't know what's going to happen, but I am having success here. It was like a total out-of-body experience. Yeah. So walking to the plate, it was it was pretty surreal. And uh, – well, you know, Mariano working the count, throwing me cutters inside. He never throws me a cutter away. Like going through that process of that was crazy because he threw that cutter is either, you know, six, uh, three inches or a foot and a half. He only threw one pitch and he always threw it away to righties. And I was like, man, I'm going to, I'm going to eat him up right here. I'm just going to hit a base hit to right center field and score Manny Ramirez, tie the game up. Crowd's going to go crazy because he's going to blow a save. Like that's the number one thing you want to do is beat Mariano in Fenway. Like he is the, like he can't do wrong. So, yeah. so many times. So first pitch he throws me is inside, like a cutter. I'm like, oh my gosh, this totally threw me off my game. Like what's going on right now? But like I told you, we know how to navigate. We know how to switch, uh, pivot real quick. So I switched my approach to, to inside because 
uh, that was a that was their book on me to throw me in. So long story short, the count's two two, and I knew he's going to come back in. And if he misses inside, I'm going to get him. And I connect with the ball out front of the plate, and right when it leaves my bat, I see it like a cannon soaring over the green monster. This is in 2002, right before they had the seats up there. So it yeah. went into the net. I take two steps out of the batter's box and I do a fist pump. Yeah! Like total celebration. And I never pimped nothing. I never celebrated on the field. I was always a blue nose, kind of like hard nose guy. Never never wanted to show anybody up. I yeah. always wanted to respect the game, although I did love taking off second baseman for double plays. But <laughs> I take two steps out of the box and I'm like celebrating. Yeah! Not out of pimping it, but out of pure disbelief. Like I was more surprised than anybody in the stadium at what I just did. And I felt like David beating Goliath. It was crazy. And as I'm rounding first base, I could feel the ground shaking from the Fenway faithful. Like the fans were like going berserk. And the, the, the commentators, Jerry Remy and the, the Donner Solo, they couldn't even talk. Because the stadium, like on, on the on the radio, on the TV, because the stadium is so loud, it's crazy. All that because of what I just did, not because the Red Sox won. It's because what I just did. I can't explain. I can't express or explain how insane that is to experience that as a human being. Like it's so overwhelming to your senses that you can't even process it. But what's crazy, and the reason why I tell you this story is that here I am, the first guy to ever, Boston Red Sox player to ever hit a game-winning home run off of Mariano Rivera. At Fenway Park. All my teammates went out that night with arguably the best fans in baseball. They all got free dinners, partied, hung out. What did I do? I got in my car and I drove straight home. And I didn't allow myself to celebrate. I didn't allow myself to, to relish in the moment because I knew tomorrow I had to perform. I never allowed myself to have success and enjoy the success. I knew I had to perform tomorrow. I was so disconnected and I was so miserable that I couldn't even be in the moment to experience that. And the next day I showed up at the park, that pain was still inside of me. And I was just feeling it more, a pain-driven game. and got more and more disconnected. And that's the craziest thing ever. That's one thing I hate. When I think about it, I can do it because I, in my now, I care about less about baseball. But, like, that's one thing I regret. I never, I never sat there on the baseball field and said, oh, my gosh. I'm living my dream. Yeah. We got paid every two weeks. I open up my my check, uh, our pay stub in our locker, and, and I my, my paycheck's three hundred and forty thousand dollars after taxes every two weeks. I never sat there and said, "Dang, I'm a millionaire. I did it." Never, never once. Mm. I always had. I gotta go. I gotta go. I gotta push. I gotta drive. If I don't do this, I'm gonna lose my job. If I lose my job, I'm gonna lose baseball. I can't live life without baseball. I'm gonna lose my identity and I'm gonna lose who I am. And then that's what spiraled me down to control to lead me to the van six years ago, clinging onto my last breath. After overdosing on drugs and alcohol, here lies a guy that's so many envy. And as the soul's leaving the top of my head and I'm clinging onto my last breath, my three adopted children are inside my ex-wife's house. I'm parked out front. I used to live in a van six years ago. I had nothing. And as I'm clinging on to my last breath, the thoughts going through my mind are, you're a failure. What kind of dad would do this to his kids? I don't know, but I'm nothing if I don't have baseball. Like, like I can't reiterate it enough. It's insane what we go through. And this is relevant to a lot of people out there. 
There's CEOs out there. There's successful like there's so many successful people out there that deal with this stuff. And by the grace of God, like I said, I made it through. There's no way I should be here because yeah. three other guys that I played with that went through similar situations that I went through, similar, like down to the T, they blew their heads off. They committed suicide because that's how insane it is when you lose that identity, when you don't understand what it is. When you have everybody glorifying you, doing autograph signings for $2,000 an hour, and little girls come to people crying and shaking just because they get to meet me. How do you process that when inside you have a deep, deep pain resonating inside you, feeling that pain driven you? I mean, I had little girls holding up signs in the stands saying, will you marry me, Shay? And I'm like, no, like, I'm nothing. Like, but I can't show you that. Yeah. That's what it's about. That's what's happening with these players. That's what's happening with so many people right now. Like my heart hurts. My heart hurts, like rioting, like COVID, like people losing their jobs. It's like, dude, I want to help. Like, like my, my every day with my team, I'm like, dude, we gotta make a difference. We gotta do something. So when people like you ask me to come on your podcast, it's like I get emotional because I'm honored. Like it's just like I just want to be that voice to help other people find their voice. Because like you said at the beginning, they're around you. And I know with my vulnerability, my humbleness, and my, my transparency, I know I can get to these guys. I know I can get to these players and speak their language. Because I was that guy. Nobody understands what I'm going through. Nobody will get it. You don't understand it. I get it. I understand it. Let me put my arm around you. Let's walk through this together. My team will help you. Because I know if we help these guys find their voices that are former athletes. See, a lot of people don't, don't understand that. Oh, Major League Baseball player. Oh, must too bad. Pull up your bootstraps. Deal with it with yourself. You guys are lucky. You're famous. You're you're these celebrities. We're just like everybody else. Yeah. And I know if I can get these guys' voices connected with them, voice to the voices, if I can connect them with their voice, they can go out there and disciple the nations and we can do a ripple effect. And we can we can affect so many other people with our gifts and talents. More so than reach than I could do myself. So and that's you. that's the passion and the reason that I did ask you to be on this, because I know that you have this huge heart and this huge passion and any way that I can help to get that message out, I want to try to do it. So thank you again for being on the show and uh, appreciate it. And I hope that we can connect here soon and talk some real estate yeah. and uh, get, get some stuff rolling. I always, I keep hoping that I'm going to have that one person that I can send you out there in Arizona. So when it comes out to Texas that you can uh, help me out. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, brother. Well, I appreciate you and uh, much love to you and your family. And I can't wait to, to hang out and talk again. Absolutely. Likewise. Have a great day, buddy. If you would like to continue the conversation, visit us on Twitter at Outside the Stall or visit my website, www.darylhawk.com. Last name is H-A-L-K. We'd love to continue the discussion about what fears are holding you back from living a life outside the stall.